0: What James is getting at is something that we all need to deal with, is that we have to remember that the things that make us wealthy on this side of eternity are temporal, they're temporary. And really what he's saying is the problem with the ways we think about wealth and riches is that it's all based on temporary things. Notice what he says, your riches are corrupted,
1: As Pastor Daniel brings you into the final chapter of James, you might think the tough lessons are going to let up. (laughs) Sorry, that's not happening quite yet. Today, the book of James is going to remind you that what you have here on earth isn't what you want to put your security in. Everything here can go away in an instant. Clothes wear out, cars rust, money spent, so relying on earthly things doesn't make sense. Instead, Look to the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 5 as he begins his message. Hang in there.
0: So there are parts of life, if you think about it, that are just challenging. You have to figure out sometimes just how to hang in there. When things are going on, I remember when I was a young guy. I've always been kind of a high energy kind of a person, and I'll never forget that there was a coach that I had when I was in high school. It was kind of like a mentor, and one time he said to me, "He's like, you know, Daniel, like life's a marathon, not a sprint." You know, and, and it was probably one of those times where I was just kind of like moving too fast. Like I'm one of those people who like burns the candle at both ends, and if there's an, if there's another end to try and burn it from, I'll try and figure out how to do it. And I remember one time someone said to me, "You know." You know, you burn the candle up both ends, it'll burn twice as bright, but for half the time. So I think my coach saw that in me, and he's like, you know, Daniel, like, life's a marathon, not a sprint. And really what he was saying is, like, you know, you got to pace yourself a little bit. You know, there's a lot to do. But as I thought about life, and especially as I got into ministry, the work of the people of God, I remember people would say, you know, Daniel, marathon's a, a marathon, not a sprint. But as I've gotten older, what I realized is that actually life and ministry is not a marathon instead of a sprint, Life is kind of like an Ironman instead of a marathon. You know that, you know what an Ironman is, right? Like you, you run a marathon, but then you also bike for forever, and then you swim for a whole long time. And in a lot of ways, life is like that, that there is so much that happens. Life has a tendency to be relentless. And the biggest struggle that we all have, I think, in the midst of life that isn't a sprint or a marathon, but it's more of like an Ironman where it just keeps happening and things keep going. One of the things is we have to learn how to hang in there, how to be persevering, how to have endurance, how to have resilience. And one of the things that I've found in life is that it's really easy when everything is going easy, but when things are hard, a lot of people just tap out of the journey. And I see it in in all of our lives, right? There's just times like, I just can't keep going. I remember a number of years ago, I got the pleasure of of interviewing a a very well-known pastor. And it was in a conference for young pastors. That was when I was young and they let me go to those things because I'm not there anymore. And so, but I got to interview this pastor and and like used powerfully from, from the Lord, just like extraordinary impact and I remember I asked them, I'm like, you know, listen, and they were celebrating 40 years in their ministry, and I said, hey, listen, you know, like, you know, 40 years of ministry, tremendous impact, you know, like, for a lot of the, the, the pastors here, like, we're just getting started. Like, we're, like if, if each decade is a lap, a lot of us are in our first decade. Like, what would you attribute the great success of what God has done other than to Jesus and the spirit of God cuz we know that but like with the knobs on your side of the wall what would you attribute this impact to and he's kind of laughed he said well you know daniel i just kept showing up and he's like sometimes the person who just keeps showing up finds himself in the middle of all sorts of things that God has for him. and he's like along the way there was a million reasons to quit thing i got hurt i made mistakes I'm a knucklehead, all these things go on. He's like, but I just kept on showing up. And what I've learned is that when we show up and keep showing up, God does tremendous work. And I remember just being like, hmm, that's a good word, isn't it? So today, I wanna share with you in this series that we're doing in the book of James called Rubber Meets the Road, like we're living in real time, real life, right where life happens, a message that I'm calling Hang In There, because James is encouraging the people who he's writing to to hang in there, to persevere, to endure, and I think it has tremendous implications for all of us. So open up your Bibles to James chapter five. We're gonna be taking verses one to 12 together. So if you brought your Bible, we've been studying James together for a while now. It's in between the book of Hebrews and 1 Peter. Towards the very end of your New Testament, I want you to be able to read along with me. Now, I believe, if you've been studying the book of James with us, this is a challenging book, isn't it? James is very direct, and he's he's hitting at real life. And the Bible is meant to be convicting and challenging. It's meant to call us to a place that we're not at. right? But like in some ways, as I've been studying the book of James, chapter 5 is the last chapter. And I realize that James, in a lot of ways, is like Rocky Balboa. You know, like, like you know, Rocky Balboa, the Italian stallion. He's my uncle. He's from Philly. We don't hold that against him, you know. But, you know, in every Rocky movie, like, Rocky gets stronger in the last round, you know. And what's funny is, is you think we've hit all this real serious stuff in the book of James. But then you think, like, it's the fifth chapter. It's the last chapter. James is going to kind of, like, just kind of dial it back. But James is Rocky. He comes out throwing haymakers in chapter five. Like, literally, like, James is not, he's not... Backing off at all. It's like, he's like, if I don't don't knock you out in this round, I'm not going to win. And so what we're going to study today is challenging. It's going to be convicting. It's going to be potentially offensive. So because of that, I'm going to ask for your forgiveness in advance. Will you forgive me for stepping on your toes in this message? Will you forgive me? Yes. Okay. Now listen, everyone remember this moment. Make a little mental snapshot. Because when I offend you in the midst of the message, you already said you forgive me. So you have to, like, let, and this is church. We take forgiveness seriously here in the house of God. It's the F word in church is forgiveness. Yeah, you like that, right? That's good, right? The F word in church is forgive. That's good. You can write that down. Tweet it out for your friends. But here's the deal. Because you've already forgiven me, you have to just trust, because this is God's word. And I've been challenged by what I'm going to share with you today, and and my job is to tell you what it says. So you guys ready? Okay, everybody. Right now we're all in like our boxing corners a little bit. They're throwing water on you. They're getting you ready. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Everyone's in the corner. He's getting a little, okay. James chapter five, verse one. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted. And your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. <laughs> I told you it was throwing haymakers, right? Like James is coming out strong here. Now, let me give you the principle and then we'll unpack it. Really what he's saying in these verses, and really this whole section, is that ultimately oppression will be overcome. That where there is oppression, ultimately God is going to bring and make things right. Right, And really what you have here is James, in writing to the early church, he declares the fact that there's a coming judgment in verse 1, and then he lists all the different crimes that that judgment is going to be dealing with in the subsequent verses, and really what you find here is that the oppression or, or, or the, the coming judgment is going to come t- to those who are wealthy, okay? Now, right now everyone's saying, well, that's great, Fusco, because I'm not wealthy, right? That's, that's, what, that's how this goes. It's like, yeah, that's not me, but let's, here's the deal. I did a little search because the Internet's a totally cool place, you know, and I, and I put into, into my browser window the global wealth calculator, right? And I thought to myself, I'm like, how can I make this real for everybody here at Crossroads? And I'm like, I, I put in there, I'm like, what? so I, that's, I got the global wealth calculator. One, I open up another window. What is the median income of a household in Clark County, Washington? I found that it's $58,000 a year, right? So I'm like, okay, $58,000, that's the average. And I'm like, I'm going to cut that in half. If somebody makes $24,000 a year, which is minimum wage job for 40 hours a week minus taxes, I put that into the global wealth calculator, which says how, where do you stack up percentage-wise with the rest of the 8 billion people on the globe? And you know what I found out? If you make $24,000 a year, then you are in the top 8% of highest wage earners in the world. So I want you to look at the person next to you and say, You're filthy, stinking rich. (laughs) Now, I have my tongue in my cheek, and I I hope you're not stinking. You know what I mean? I I didn't smell everybody on the way in. But the idea here is, like, we have this tendency to think, well, we live in America, and, like, oh, man, there's all those super rich people, and I'm not that person. But that's just, that's one perspective, and if you zoom out from just, this is where we live, and you zoom out to the whole world, I mean, half of the median income in Clark County, Washington, where Crossroads gets the pleasure of living and doing ministry, $24,000 a year puts you in the top 8% of wage earners. And what I realize is that all of us probably, now some of you might be like, well, Fusco, I'm not there, but if you have a more than one set of clothes, if you have a refrigerator with food in it, if you have some sort of a mobile device, if you have an internet connection, if the road that you drove on to get here has pavement on it, then you are in the rich category globally. So now, should we go back to the text and read it again? (laughs) I love the word of God. (laughs) Come now, you rich, weep and howl. Like like, Weep and howl means burst into tears and start ugly crying. That's what it means. For your miseries that are coming upon you. Now, what he says next is important because notice he says, your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire... You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Now, what James is getting at is something that we all need to deal with is that we have to remember that the things that make us wealthy on this side of eternity are temporal, they're temporary. And really, what he's saying is the problem with the ways we think about wealth and riches is that it's all based on temporary things. Notice what he says. Your riches are corrupted. So like, whatever it is that you hold your riches is have the opportunity to be devalued. Your garments are moth-eaten. Now, maybe moths aren't eating your clothes, but maybe too many times through the washer and dryer are. Right? And so he's saying, these things are being devalued. He's saying, silver and gold are corroded. So the idea is they're precious metals. Now, someone be like, well, who keeps... Gold and silver, we're not pirates, man. My Bitcoin isn't going to corrode. Well, yes, it might, because at some point, everyone's going to realize there's no value to that stuff. Now, I'm not knocking Bitcoin. I'm not knocking it. But the thing is, it's the whole idea that we have our trust in these riches. Now, guess what? Jesus says the exact same thing. Listen to what Jesus said. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So now what we do is when you, when you take what Jesus is saying, what James is saying, really this is about where our hearts' allegiances are. And Jesus knows, knowing the hearts of all people, and James knows because the Spirit is inspiring him to write this, he knows that the struggle in each one of our hearts is where you're going to put our hearts allegiance. And really what James is saying and what Jesus is saying is, listen, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. So the question becomes, where is our treasure? And Jesus says, do not... Store up treasures on earth. You know when something is a treasure on earth because it can be devalued by either people or nature. So anything that is breaking down, your gold that isn't brilliant anymore, your house, your car, all these things, your clothes, maybe you're like, well, man, listen, all my wealth is in this thing. If it can be devalued by a person or by the normal course of nature, that is a treasure on earth. Now, and really what Jesus and James want us to make sure is that we put our treasure not in temporary things, but in eternal things, in heavenly things. Oh, there's a little golf clap, praise the Lord. One person's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So when you put that in place... What we're going to realize as we look back at James now is you have to ask yourself, where is your treasure really found? Now, what I've learned, I've been walking, I've been on the globe, making its rounds around the sun for 40, almost six years now, and amen, and I've been walking with Jesus for like half of that time, and what I have found in my own heart is that the only things that bring me stress are temporary things and not eternal things. I've never met someone who's like, I am so scared that God's grace isn't sufficient for me. (laughs) I am so nervous that there will be no room for me in heaven when I die. Never met somebody like that. But I've met a lot of people like, I just don't know how I'm going to retire. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the reality that there are earthly concerns But all the things that create the stress in our lives are temporary things and not eternal things. And what I believe is the things that bring me worry and fear and stress, they are invitations from me to stop letting my treasures be here on earth and let my treasures be in heaven. So the fear shows me that's where my earthly treasure is and I'm supposed to have a different treasure. Now, when we get back to James now, because I've only given you part of the story, and if you just shut this off right now, you're missing what James is trying to say. The problem for the rich in James chapter five is not what they have. The problem is the way that they are choosing to maintain it, grow it, and they do it through wickedness and oppression. That's the problem. The problem is, is that in the pursuit of the treasures of the earth, people do all sorts of stuff that hurt people. And that's exactly what James gets at. Because look what he says. He says, verse 4. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, they cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, or the Lord of hosts, the Lord who created and sustains all things. You have lived in luxury and pleasure. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter and you have condemned and you have murdered the just. And He does not you. They're saying that in the name of the earthly treasures, there's been all sorts of oppression. People worked for you. You didn't pay them. And their cries for that unjust action is coming to the ears of the Lord. People will go so far as condemning people or murdering people in the name of Keeping themselves profitable. And so the problem is not the resources, the problem is the human heart as it relates to the resources, where our treasures are. Now, some of you are saying, oh, Fusco, like I know you're going on and on about this, but like, I've never done that. Oh, really? I have a good friend for a long, long time. He had a, a construction business, he was a contractor. And he finally was just like, yeah, I'm done with this. So I was talking to him, like, so why are you done? He's like, Daniel, there ain't nothing worse than you do all this work and then people won't pay you. They fight with you. They won't pay you. He's like, it's heartbreaking. And then he looks at me, he's like, and don't think it's just the non-Christians. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, just because I'm someone's brother in Christ, I think they can treat me lousy. Now listen, I'm not saying that you guys are doing this, but if you are, you better stop that right now. This is about personal integrity. How often are we these people? We hire people and then we mess around. I don't want to pay them that much. Right? I don't no, 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 you didn't do a good job. Even though they did a fine job, they they gave you exactly what you wanted. But now, because when it comes to money, people get what? Funny. People get funny when it comes to money. And James is saying, listen, where the rubber meets the road, we have to make sure that in our pursuit of a treasure that is temporary, and can be degraded by time and people, that we are not falling into a lifestyle that lacks integrity. The people of God should have the most integrity. I remember when I was like a young, I was an intern at the time, I ended up becoming an assistant pastor at uh, at this local church. And I remember I was talking to one of the elders, and he was a very successful businessman. And we were just talking about the things of business and, and all this stuff. And, and he, was one, he was the person who said to me, he's like, Dan, you have to remember that when it comes to money, because at the time I was like 23, 24 years old, he's like, when it comes to money, people get funny. You know? And I'm like, well, so how? I'm like, okay. And he was explaining that. And he, he was, he's like, whatever you do, don't hire a Christian when you own a company. Why? I'm like, why? And he's like, because in the name of being a Christian, they think they could show up late. Oh, no big deal. We mean, were brothers, And I'm just like, God, I'm like, dude, you're a little cynical. He's like, you wait. And i like, it's heartbreaking. So I share these examples because, but then he said to me, I'm like, well, okay. So like, so as a business owner and you know, how do you counteract that? He's like, well, it's simple. As it relates to money, I give a 10th, I save a 10th and I enjoy the rest. I was like, okay, explain that. He's like, well, listen, I give God the first fruits because everything I have is his. And, And you think about it, the idea of storing up treasures on earth. Without financial generosity to the work of God's kingdom, all you're doing is storing up treasures on earth. Plain and simple. And if you read the book of Malachi, people who don't give as unto the Lord, God thinks that you're robbing God. Nothing worse than robbing the all-seeing one. Like, God doesn't even have, like, secret cameras. He just knows everything. Like, it's crazy. But it's like, but that's how it is. Right? And he says, so I give a tenth. And he's like, I save a tenth because the reason people don't give is because there's always some, some unexpected thing that needs to go on. So I make sure that I prepare for the unexpected things. He's like, and then I enjoy the rest. And he said something really cool to me. He said, you know, Daniel, what I've learned is that God doesn't need my money because he he's all fully sufficient, but I need to be the one who gives. He's like, because without it, without giving, no matter if you hit your retirement number, you're still going to be worried that you're not going to have enough for retirement if you hit this number it, it's like without the trust in the God the Lord of hosts the all providing one the one who is all sufficient there is never enough to satisfy the anxieties that we have about the future and so what ends up happening is, is when I think about this list of man you, you, you cheat people and you condemn people and you murder people it's like what happens is, is the things that we do when we're fearful can snowball into places we just never expected And so, brothers and sisters, what we have to remember is that when we act funny as it relates to money, when we're dishonest, when we we don't pay our bills, when we try and find ways around it, ultimately, that is a work of injustice and oppression that ultimately God is going to get at. Jesus
1: is. Think about what makes you feel secure in this life. Is it your house, your job? Is it your 401k or some other retirement plan? Pastor Daniel had some hard news for you today. Those could all vanish. They're material things. You should, of course, be wise in how you handle your money and your plans for the future. Are those the things causing you more to worry than what Jesus is doing in and around you? If so, maybe it's time for an evaluation of your priorities. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about the need to wait. Yep, that thing no one really wants to do. Today's culture expects next-day delivery options on everything, so remembering to be still and patient isn't second nature. Yet the book of James will encourage you to practice this, not just for things in this life, but also in getting to the ultimate reward, heaven. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Where the Rubber Meets the Road. Until then, may God bless.